Dude, my kid yesterday, I brought him home from daycare and I, I plopped him on the bed and started feeding him a bottle. He reached over, I shit you not, with his little hand, and he goes like this, and boom, got me right there. Ah, Right nice. there. Good. Bullseye, right in the nip. It was unbelievable. Good job. I'm proud of him. Hello, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is May the 3rd, our year of the Lord, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. What's going on, man? Not much, dude. Not too much. It's been a crazy couple of weeks of just like moving around, travel, never home. And finally, it's starting to draw to a close, at least for a few more weeks. So trying to get back into a normal routine, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> hate that when you get knocked off. Man, it takes so dude. long to get back on track. Yeah, it, it really does, dude. And, and like, I'm, I just started training for th- this run thing, which I'm glad it'll help me get like into like some kind of uh, consistent thing that I'm doing every week and, and staying on some kind of thing. But man, when you're traveling and then you're eating bad, so your diet goes to shit, at least for me, because I have no self-control apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> it's- Don't uh, ask him, ask his waistline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, it's good to be back home, man. Sarah just got back from Costa Rica on a work trip. And she said that was oh, nice. amazing, it sounds like. So got the fan back Excellent. together. Feels good. How about you? How are you? Good. I'm good. There's too much uh, going on for me to even comment on, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I just found this out that today mm-hmm. in 1903, American singer, actor, songwriter, Bing Crosby was born. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I know everything about Bing Crosby. Why? <laughs> I have read his biographies. Really? I know every, I don't know. I don't know why. Huh. I was handed a, a, a movie when I was a kid. It was like, this is back when, when people watched VHS tapes. We had like a, I don't know, we just had like random shit around the house. And in this one dresser drawer was a few old VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. One of them being the movie Holiday Inn. And if you know anything about Holiday Inn, it is the like much less famous sister movie of the movie White Christmas. But uh-huh. Holiday Inn is the movie that the song... Uh, White Christmas was debuted in. Really? Yes. In 1940, something or other. Yeah, it was like wartime movie, very patriotic, but also very nostalgic, Christmas and all that stuff. And I I just really, I really took to it. And um, so I started digging into Bing Crosby. And Hmm. so ever since I've been in high school, man, I've just been enamored with the man that was Bing Crosby. I mean, kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, who was it back in the day? I guess he like beat his kids. He was super Catholic. He said he would like disown his daughter if she had sex out of wedlock. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, things like that. But also within his industry, considered like the coolest dude within the music industry. He smoked pot like way back in the day, like way back in the day before like smoking pot was even cool. It was like super illegal back in the 50s. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a two handicap golfer. Good for him. This is what this guy would do. He would go work, right? Whether it was like a movie or he was, he was big in radio or he was, you know, recording however many hundreds of songs he recorded. He would do that during the day, during the morning. He would go play golf and then he would get hammer drunk and then he would do it all over again. And that was his life. And he just toured just doing that all the time. And he was like, he was like relatively obscure. People knew him, but he was really obscure. And then during wartime, White Christmas, and he was kind of older back then uh, at that time, White Christmas comes out and then he becomes like the Taylor Swift of his day. 
mm-hmm. the biggest pop star ever at that time. He was the most popular person in America for decades after that song came out. Um, and now he's probably most well known for his everlasting Christmas hits. Mm-hmm. Interesting man. Didn't know all that about him. He was an interesting man. Keeping in the theme of music, a really interesting uh, little segment going on here. Okay. And it revolves around the Ed Sheeran trial <sighs> where he allegedly copied Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Um, so I don't know how I, I want to organize this, but I think we'll just go right into it and I'll play you the side by side and then we'll dig into the details. Let's do it. Is close. And I'm thinking about how and if you feel- okay, first time I heard this, I didn't get it. I was like, what are you suing for? But I'm going to play it back again, and I want you to listen to the beat. Mm-hmm. Just the, the beat. Don't listen to the lyrics. Don't listen to the melody. Just listen to the beat and see what you can, what you can pick out. I still smile from your cheeks. And I... I guess those would be the chords. I'm not in any way qualified to speak on music literacy, but I hear it a couple times and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a doom, doom, doom. They have the same exact, I guess, chord progression. Is, it, is that what you would call it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the same chord progression. It's the same. It seems to be the same four, four timing for the drums as well. The drums are like eerily similar for sure. Yeah. One more time. Just to, just to get it. Darling, I- So they're similar. For sure. Obviously different songs, but mm-hmm. but I guess if you're looking at it from like a music literacy standpoint, there are characteristics of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On that are eerily similar or I guess in this case identical to what Ed Sheeran was doing in what is probably his most popular hit. Mm, yeah. I, mean, I don't yeah, it's like worldwide status on that on that song. So real quick, here is what constitutes plagiarism in music. And it's a little vague. There's two things that need to happen. One, access. If you're accused of infringing upon somebody else's music, you had to have had heard or could it reasonably be presumed to have heard the original song. So in this case, Ed Sheeran, what it's reasonable to presume that he has heard the song. Let's get it on. I think everybody can agree with that. Right. You're a pop star. You've heard Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Uh, the second thing that needs to happen is substantial similarity. The average listener can tell that one song has been copied from the other. The more elements that the two works have in common, the more likely they are substantially similar. So I guess in this case, from a legal standpoint, chord progression doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Like you could have the exact same chord progression, but if they sound the same and they can be identified as such, then you have a legal case. It's very bizarre. Um, and it's the reason it's so bizarre 
is because every pop song sounds the same. Yeah, absolutely. Believe me, I have immutable proof. The Axis of Awesome. I love these guys. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jordan. I'm Lee. And I'm We Benny. are I'm the, the Axis, Axis of, of awesome. awesome. And I'm Benny. We've been a comedy rock band for close to 40 years now. Mm. And all that time, we've never had a hit. And yeah, I'll just, yeah, but you guys know why. Why? Because we never wrote a four chord song. What do you, what do you, what's that? What's a four chord song, Benny? Well, if you want to, all the greatest hits from the past 40 years just use four chords. Same four chords for every song. It's dead simple to write a pop hit. Just four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These four hit. One, two, three, four chords. Sorry, let me get this straight, Chicken Little. Um, what, you're, um, what you're trying to say is you can, you can take those four chords, repeat them, and pump out every pop song ever. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, fuck off, Chicken Little. Just listen. Do you recognize this? Uh, yeah, that is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. It's a great song. Very original. There's a few more that fit. Check it out. My life is brilliant. My love is pure. I saw her name gel of that I'm sure. Well, that's just two songs that are similar. That's forever not... young. Three I want to be forever young. I won't hesitate no more, no more. It cannot wait. I'm young. You get the point. Yeah, that go that video goes on for like another four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Every pop song sounds the same. They'll have the same four chord progression. It's uh, a science, basically, right? You want to hit a you want to write a pop song, you know the blueprint. So how is it that somebody else can sue another person for ripping their music? Well, I, I guess the the it's such a tricky little thing to do. But um, there is some precedent. So we will go through <clears throat> we'll go through some uh, classic cases and you can decide for yourself. So these are our, these are cases that have already been tried in court for plagiarism. And we start with George Harrison and the Chiffons. So here's the original song and this is what the Chiffons were this is the original song. He's so Does that sound familiar? Mm, it does. Definitely sounds like a Beatles song. Now here's George Harrison's My Sweet Lord. That's yeah, similar. It's pretty similar, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar. So I guess in this, it, the chiffons won this case, and again, it's just about how it sounds to the to the person, to the to the regular layman. So it has nothing to do with the the way that the song was written. But if it sounds exactly the same, then you have a case for plagiarism. So that's George Harrison. This one is a song called Spirit by Taurus or Taurus by Spirit. I don't know. One of the two. But <laughs> tell me if this one sounds familiar. Might take a while to, to get to the point. I'm liking the Yaz flute, though. I can't think of a single song that reminds me of. 
I was if I was this band and I, I would just go to court and just play that and be like, <laughs> does that sound like something that you know? <laughs> Here's Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Okay, so different melodies, but almost identical. Like mm-hmm. really, really close to being identical. Zeppelin's accused of this a lot, man, throughout the Accused of this a lot. And Robert Plant has actually had more or less admitted to it. And he said, look, yeah. you know, we sat in the studio for hours and hours and hours on end. And we weren't just playing and listening to our music. We were garnering inspiration from other people. Mm-hmm. So he's like, like, did we rip off of them a little bit? Yeah, of course. But like, we weren't, he was trying to like, say it in, in, in the, in, in like the, the spirit of getting inspiration for writing their music instead of, Hey, let's take this and then completely rip off of it and put it in our music. Right. Like it wasn't right. like plagiarism. It was, we like this, we're going to incorporate it. Right. Mm-hmm. You could say that to about Led Zeppelin for pretty much any of their like bluesy hits. Right. Like that's all Led Zeppelin ones, like a, a cover album, right? Those are other people's songs, but now pretty much recognized as Led Zeppelin songs. I think like 75% of the songs on Zepp one was, were like old blues covers. I had not heard that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, man, I'll look it up real quick while you play the next one. But like a majority of them were covers of older songs. And now no one could tell you those songs. It's a Led Zeppelin classic, you know? Yeah. Here is another pretty famous one. Um, Again, Marvin Gaye seems to be making an industry of this. Um, (laughs) Here's his song, Gotta Give It Up. Okay, I'm going to play it without even hearing the lyrics. And now here's Robin yeah. Dick's Blurred Lines. Yeah, for sure. Everybody get up. To me, this is the most egregious one. I think this is almost a copycat. I'm going to play it one more time. Mm-hmm. Here's Marvin Gaye. Robin Thick. Everybody get up. Everybody get up. Uh, so yeah, Robin Thick had and Pharrell had to pay a decent amount of money up front for this, and then I think they had to pay him the estate of Marvin Gaye fifty percent of all royalties going forward for this one song. Um, that makes sense. I'm with that. I think it makes sense. And there's more. I, I don't know. I haven't really gone through all of them. So I, I checked out this Led Zeppelin thing I was telling you. Yeah, tell me. It's it's kind of nuts with these guys. So just from Led Zeppelin 1, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, You Shook Me, Dazed and Confused, Black Mountainside, I Can't Quit You Baby, and How Many More Times were all mm-hmm. other people's songs. And then you wow. get to Led Zeppelin 2, Whole Lot of Love, The Lemon Song, Moby Dick, even like the intro and the outro were inspired and pretty much like ripoffs of something else and bring it on home. Led Zeppelin 3, Since I've Been Loving You, Gallows Pole, Braun Your Arn Stomp, Hats Off to Roy Hopper. So it's, and then it keeps going. Okay. Stairways on here, talking about the spirit song, When the Levee Breaks. Like Zeppelin made a career of doing this. <laughs> interesting. It's yeah. interesting because they, you can, I mean, obviously, okay, so they're, they're, they're from England, right? And mm-hmm. it's not unthinkable that they would get some blues records out in London, right? You hear them, you like them, you 
garner inspiration for them and then you create your own music. But it sounds like they heard these songs and then they were like, let's just see how this would sound if Led Zeppelin did this song. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they did it. Which is probably and better. And it just so happens that Led Zeppelin <laughs> is a quartet of probably the best musicians to ever live. So that helps, right? When you have incredible musicians in your band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that that's, yeah. And, and I don't think that they're, you know, they're really getting uh, screwed from that. Do you, right? They're not. No, I mean, they've lost suits and paid out, but no, yeah, for the most part. For the most part, it was looked at as, I think because Zeppelin never really ran from it. I think they kind of like, like as you like explained, like Plant kind of owned it in a way, but mm-hmm. without like giving them as much like le- legal culpability, you know, like he he kind of was like, hey, we're trying to honor these songs. And, and I, I think in the 70s, I don't think all these copyright laws were in place as they are now. No so way, like they kind of could get away with a lot of that stuff. So, but like now it, they would be, it would be a big problem, just like you're seeing with Sheeran and so many other people. Yeah. Um, and just to drive the point home here about how ambiguous all of this is, because it, it the, the line between plagiarism and just sounding the same is so thin. Here's a good example of that. These are number one country songs. Cottonwood falling like snow in July. Set fireflies popping like a fourth of July. Yeah. Breeze blowing in, your hair blowing round. You scanning through the stations looking for that country sound. Trucks jacked up, flashing. Oh my god. So this this That's genius insane. took one, two, three, four, five, six different char- top charting country songs, <laughs> mixed them all together, and created one country song. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it really is. Like it's magnificent. Uh, but it just it just goes to show, man. That's like pop music. It it it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I hate to see. Somebody like Ed Sheeran, who's beloved, go through this because his song happened to sound a little bit too much like Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." It's so tough, man, because because music is such like a artistic thing, like and and it's it in like anything else, you draw inspiration from all the people that have inspired you and, and that you've studied and all this like through your whole life. Like, it's almost impossible for that not to ink over into your work and it like i would think it, like with authors of books you know like there's writing mm-hmm. styles that are very distinct like a shakespeare or even like how stephen king like manipulates and tells stories about horror and all this other like sci-fi stuff like you can't tell me that other authors and uh, people in that field haven't like drawn from that and used a lot of those similar themes same with movies and how people the the kubrick stare you know how many t- other movies do you see that in you know, right. it's the exact same cinematography, but it's it's just through the years, people get inspired by great people that have come before them. It, in a way, it's honoring them. It just, it gets so messy when you're talking about royalties, but it's, it's either like, you either have to like really come down hard on this and pursue every case to the fullest extent. And I think that would be way for the worse of anything artistic or you say, fuck all this and it is what it is. And I think you, you see art explode because people like can do so much in hip hop. It happens all the time with people trying to sample beats and use all, all all these different influences. And 
music would be so much better if people could just do that and take that inspiration and grow that and bring draw attention to songs that maybe people haven't even thought of or ever even heard in the new generation. And and you can get people now looking more back at Marvin Gaye and how amazing of a of a singer soul artist that that man was. Like it, it brings it sheds new light on that person. So I know that doesn't probably feel good when you're watching Ed Sheeran make hundreds of millions of dollars off, you know, your material. But I don't know how you can't living in a gray area is, is really tough with this stuff. I feel like it's an all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah. I, th- I agree with you. I think, I think it really has to be uh, so egregious where it's like, yeah, like obviously you re- like, like the leads up, like stairway to heaven. Like yeah. That's indistinguishable. Right. And it just so, I mean, it doesn't help Led Zeppelin's case that that's probably the, like the most recognizable rock melody ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you hear somebody else before that song came out with kind of the same melody and you're like, oh shit, that's wild. But you know, with Ed Sheeran, it's like, ah, it's like, ah, you know, it kind of sounds the same, you know, like the beat maybe sounds the same. The drums maybe sound the same, but like, it's a completely different song. Mm-hmm. I think hip hop has done a really good job with this because they actually rip from the song. They're not creating new music that sounds the same. They're taking samples and then they give credit to the artist that they sampled. To me, that's the most black and white way to do it. Right. And so that I think that's where Ed Sheeran gets in trouble here is because, I don't know, like, like should he have recognized that sounded like, let's get it on? I had no, I, I would have never one time ever. Really? I'd be like, you know what? Hey, that sounds like, let's get it on. Unless I was brought to my attention and put side by side like we did today. Yeah. I, and like, it never, it never came to my head. And I've heard that song. I've heard uh, uh, Thinking Out Loud, I don't know how many hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular songs ever. And that's another thing. If it's so dang popular that like you're comparing it to a song that's almost equally popular, if not more popular, then couldn't you also make the case that like we just make popular music? You know, you can't invent a chord. Right. They're invented. They exist. I was going to say with, within Western music, there's 12 notes in a scale, you know, and you can arrange those 12 notes only so many ways. And really only four to five of them really make sense within us in that scale. Like, so <laughs> you can only do yeah. so much, you know, and through millions of songs written over a hundred years or whatever it is, when you want to start tracking this, like you can only arrange them in so many different ways. So I can't blame Sharon for this. And he's even said in this, that if he loses this case, he's done with music. And I don't blame him, man. Cause like, how are you supposed to be an artist, you know, in this day and age, if you can't take some freedoms and draw some inspiration as well and, and make your own thing. It, it's, it, 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 and now he's being sued for a hundred million dollars. Like <laughs> what the fuck? Exactly. Uh, he, he said in court, um, or maybe not in court, he's quoted at the wall street journal saying, if I had done what you're accusing me of doing, I would have to be quite an idiot to stand on a stage in front of 20,000 people. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he said that, um, he wrote the song with songwriter Amy Wage uh, after an emotional conversation over the recent death of his grandfather and ailing mother-in-law. And that was his inspiration for the song. Yeah, lyrically, it's not similar at all. Like, it he, certainly is not. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where I, I, I kind of like, take exception because it's not Marvin Gaye coming out here and saying, this is, uh, this is just like what I wrote. No, it's his estate. So it's his family. And it's actually, uh, the daughter of Ed Townsend, who oh. was the co-writer of let's get it on. Oh. And she's saying it's to protect her father's legacy. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Nobody fucking knows who Ed Townsend is. At least nobody that listens to Ed Sheeran. So your father's legacy is just fine. Like that is where it's like, all right, well, this seems like a cash grab to me. This seems like you're just trying to make money off something that your dad did. Maybe that's a bit harsh. I don't know, but that's what it seems like to me. Cause it's so 
uh, so like up in air, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like yeah. blurred lines, clear cut. Black and white, if you, right? If you happen to make that originally, congratulations. It's the same shit. <laughs> like it just is. And if you didn't catch it, then that sucks. But no, you have to pay up. Uh, that's fine. But this one, I don't know, man. It just kind of seems like, like, yeah. Do you think, know. do you think Sheeran's saying that at all to like throw weight around as far as like, I'm done doing music? Like, you think that's at all like, you know, don't fuck with me. Similar to like how Zeppelin won that case. Cause Ze- Zeppelin didn't lose that case. I don't think in that copyright case for stairway. And um, I don't think he's trying to throw any weight around. No, the, the, I think they settled out of court Zeppelin. Yeah. They yeah. Ex- yeah. Right. Um, right. No, I, I look, I, I think he, I think he's going through a really tough time right now. Um, I forget. I heard he's, he's got some really like really sh- shitty personal stuff going on outside of this lawsuit. Uh-huh. Um, and you're Ed Sheeran. What do you have to prove? Right. Like I've done it. Okay, cool. You want to like fuck with me like this? Then it's not worth it. I'm not going to create music if this is what I'm subjected to. Right. You know, I, I, I agree with them a hundred percent. Like, I don't, why would I, why would I go through this? It's not worth the trouble mm-hmm. for me to make chart-topping hits that you guys are just going to dissect and destroy. Right, yeah. I'm pulling for you, Mr. Sheeran. Yeah, me too. Me too. Seems kind of petty. It does. Speaking of petty, though, what do you think about, like, when art, it's all done legal and everything, but, like, when artists redo songs? Do you think, like, a song can be done better than the original, you know? Even if it could, it mm-hmm. would never be recepted that way. Yeah. I f- yeah, I feel you. Like, like, uh, let me ask you this: Is there a cover of a song that you think is better than the original? Absolutely, Tom Petty, "Free Fallin." I think John Mayer <laughs> did it much better, much better, and I will always argue that with you. Uh, <laughs> and I think Michael Lopez, Mister Rager, agrees with me on that one. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. I disagree uh, wholeheartedly, um, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, give me an example. Like, what what artist has redone their their music? I'm saying when other artists redo it. Oh, okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, there is a version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps that has, like, prints on it. It's a bunch of people that they, like, played it as a tribute for Harrison when he died. And yeah, it is... Yeah, Rockwell Hall of Fame. It's yeah, incredible. it's amazing. And honestly, like, I love While My Guitar Gently Weeps. One of my favorite songs ever written, actually. But, like, I love that version more just because Prince goes nuts and, like, everyone's just kind of doing their thing. Uh, I, I just think, like, you can see songs as they've inspired so many other people, then they add their flavor to them. I love to like watch them get better. If that makes sense. No, I hear you. Um, that is 100% like my favorite guitar solo like ever. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, amazing. Oh, I can tell you one. I can tell you one. Uh, Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Johnny yep. Cash redid that. And Trent Reznor said, that's his song now. He's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Cause better. the Nine Inch Nails song was just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right, if you, right, and it's so different than what Johnny Cash did. Yeah, you can hear like Cash was at like the last year of his life, and you and he just lost June, and you can just hear like oh, yeah. the pain. Like that song is just fucking great, man. So Grobly I think it voice. can be done. I'm sorry, man. We gotta we gotta hear a little bit of this. That's Harrison's kid right there. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, no, I got more. Yeah. Such a good song, man. I gotta stop. I'd watch it all day. Yeah. And just a couple other. So good. So good. A couple other ones I pulled up just that kind of came to mind. Uh, Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. He redid Leonard Conan, Cohen's song. That's okay, a great, but that's that, a great song. That is a good song, but also that song has been done so much that like, I uh, can it even be Edward Cohen's song anymore? Right, I feel you. I feel you. All along the Watchtower, Jimi Hendrix's version definitely better than Dylan's. I would say that was Bob Dylan's song. That's a Bob Dylan song. I yeah. have no idea. I not not a singular clue. Bob Dylan's song, "Live and Let Die," Guns and Roses. I don't know whose that was. Oh, McCartney. "Live and Let Die" is did Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, I do not like. I do not like Guns and Roses. I don't like Guns and Roses. Period. But I don't like their version better than Paul McCartney's. No way. What about Santana's "Black Magic Woman"? That's a Fleetwood Mac song, which I love Fleetwood Mac, but Carlos Santana. I think I think uh, Fleetwood Mac does that better. You think so? That's yeah. the, both of those are really good songs. I got it for sure. Yeah, I'm a big Fleetwood fan. Santana Santana's is just it's so different. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. But yeah, so music. I I don't know, man. It's it's it's. I just think it should just be like an open platform for people to express themselves however they want. And you know, I guess that first generation that didn't have that. And they kind of did because copyright laws were more loose and Zeppelin could do what they did. You know, like there's some probably some overlap where some artists get fucked. But if you just kind of open the door and let people get creative, don't let them copy lyrics. I think like lyrics should be owned by the songwriter for sure. But I think music being that there's 12 notes, I think it's it should be open to interpretation and, and let people run wild and be creative. And I think you'll see you'd see a boom in music and, and all forms. Hip hop, yeah. rock, yeah. country, uh, it, but you know, I mean, we're, we're litigious, litigious society. That's, That's what true. we do. Mm-hmm. It, it could be anything. Uh, it just, I think, it's just so unfortunate because it's like the only art form that is that ambiguous. It, it would be, I don't know, man. Like, how could you compare it to anything? Like, like you could, you could try and paint something with the same colors as the Mona Lisa, but as long as it doesn't look like the Mona Lisa, it's not plagiarism. But if you painted the Mona Lisa but you happen to have a different background color or something or like, you know, like, yeah, <sighs> to me, cinematography is the biggest one. Cause there's so many distinct shooting styles, uh, like Spike Lee, like how he does the, sure. where, where people walk in the background really like moves and they're kind of stagnant. The Kubrick stare, I said like, that's, I don't want to say egregious, but those are like very <laughs> inspired for, you know, drawn from things that people are still using to this day. And I don't think anyone's saying anything about it. You yeah, because how can you co- how can you copyright a style? Yeah, right. Exactly. But I mean, what is that in music? Then the style would be the music, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't. That's weird. I just I guess because it, it sounds similar. Yeah, and <laughs> it's so different because it's the only. It's really the only art form that you take in exclusively through your earbuds, through your, right. through your ear, yeah, through your ears, through the ear holes, <clears throat> your holes. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. What else you got uh, for me? I got two small I, things for you. I got some stuff. What? Let me see what I got. In. Oh, uh, New York uh, passes the first in-nation ban on gas stoves in new homes and apartments. That's cool. Really? It's not cool. I was being facetious. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. The yeah. same thing is it's the same thing as uh, getting rid of plastic straws. 
What is what? So it's all electric. That's what they're pushing for. Is like a big. I guess, dude. I don't know. God, but it it makes me upset. I, I understand that like it's not that big of a deal to everybody, but I can't cook on a gas stove. I can't cook on a ceramic stove. Like a hot plate is as as close as it gets, but absolutely nothing beats the flame. The flame gives you total control. Yeah. I've never really, electric stoves are weird, man. I can't. They suck. Yeah. not They not suck. Good. And and they take much longer to reduce in heat. Mm, I mean, yeah. maybe they've gotten better. I'm used to like, the, you put it on the fucking coils and that's what your, you know, your stove is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess, I guess the idea is that you're saving carbon emissions. I guess I'm, I'm looking through this article here. I don't, I don't see much. The Democratic controlled state legislator passed a bill late Tuesday that prohibits natural gas and other fossil fuel hookups in new residents. Okay, so that's what it's about. It's about fossil fuel. Yeah, but I would be led to believe that most of the New York buses still use carbon engines, do they not? Oh, no, they are they are shifting fast to electric. Are they? Fast. Okay. Yeah. In my business, that is the the largest growing market is is metro public uh, transportation. Metro buses and school buses. Okay. Supporters say the New York ban on new natural gas hookups would help the state meet its goals under the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, which passed in 2019. The plan calls for cutting emission greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2030 and 85% by 2050 from 1990 levels. So it sounds a lot like California. I just don't know, man. Like this isn't a, like this to me is, it shouldn't be a luxury. Like you should, oh wow, you have a gas stove? Like that, that's fine. That's fine. Natural gas is fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like when they ban straws, you are cutting down like less than 1% of 1% of the issue, but it sounds good. Like, like yeah. really, how can you, con- like, how can you measure the carbon emissions of gas stoves and homes? Like that doesn't, you can't. Can you? Yeah. I don't know. I would think it's I don't min- think you can. minuscule. Yeah. And, and maybe this isn't an issue to everybody, but I love to cook and I've gotten rather good over the years. Jacqueline can attest. It's so hard to be good at cooking if you don't have full control over the heat. Yeah. And like, you should be able to have full control. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, it's a personal thing for me, but I saw that and I just like, ugh, ugh. yeah, that's weird, man. That's, nah, I don't know. Yeah. Must be some no. science behind it that it made it make sense to them, but that seems it's like a weird place fruit. to start. Yeah. It's right. Well, yeah. That's all mm-hmm. it is. That's why mm-hmm. cars, that's why cars are the biggest target right now for, for climate goals. Is because it's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the largest concentration of carbon emitting equipment that we can change over. Yeah. And so you do that first and then you focus on the other stuff later. That's what, that's all it is. I hope, um, I hope, I was gonna say, I hope New York has clean air. I hope we have clean air in New York. What's going on? Oh, um, there's going to be uh, even more immigrants coming through our borders in the next uh in the next week or so. Nice. Uh, so, right, yeah, right? Fantastic news. Great American yeah. melting pot, Frank. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, so right now, and this is just an estimate. We have no idea the, the full number, so it's probably larger than this. But right now we have about five to 5,500 illegal immigrant crossings every day. Hmm. Every day. We have about 5,000 people coming across the border. We have, by every measure an open border. People come through at their will. Okay. Um, during COVID, there was a, uh, it's a policy. It's just a policy. It's called Title 42. And it allowed the government to very quickly expel immigrants 
from crossing into the United States. You try to cross, sorry, we have a, a health crisis going on. You can't be here. Get the heck out. Uh, I, I don't know why we need a policy for that. That should just be what we do. And then everything else outside of that is the policy. But it's expected to end on May 11th. And what this is going to do is it's going to allow, again, another estimate, about 11,000 people a day coming through <sighs> the border. And the reason the reason they couldn't come through before, yeah, it was the health crisis, but they were coming uh, claiming asylum. And we were saying, no, sorry. And now when they come to claim an asylum, they say, okay, here you go. Here's your ticket to appear. Hope you make it. <laughs> That's literally what we do. That is our immigration. But I'm not shitting you. That's what That's we do. That's nuts. We give them a piece of paper. We say, here's your appearance. Here's your uh, notice to appear in court for your immigration hearing. It's on this day. Uh, go enjoy the land until then. Hmm. And then if they don't show up, we have absolutely no way of tracking them. So we don't know how many uh, illegal immigrants are in the United States, which is awesome. The Border Patrol had more than 20,000 migrants in custody as of Monday, and the agency detained an average of 8,600 migrants a day. They're still housing them in cages. That never stopped. I don't know where AOC is with her photo op, but that's still happening. There's still families in cages. There's still babies being separated at the border at a rate that's much, much higher than it's been in previous years. Um, and there's no way of stopping this. There's no, there's no protection in place. There's no policy in place. They're sending the military down, 1,500 troops down to the border just to administer the immigrants coming in. It's an open border, Al. That's what it is. It, it yeah. It's an open border. We have an open border coming to America is exactly what the message is. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. You want to come to America? Fine. But we need to know who you are. That's at the bare minimum, we need to know who you are. We need to keep track of you because you are not a citizen of these United States. And I'm sorry, but there's too many stories of people who maybe shouldn't be here doing terrible things. Something just happened uh, last week. A family of five was uh, slaughtered in their own home in Texas. Have you heard about no. this? No. It's late at night. Th this family had kids asleep in their home. And this guy, Francisco Oropesa, was outside at another home and he was shooting off his gun. Dad comes out. He goes, hey man, can you like knock it off? We got babies asleep. It's really loud. They're scared. Guy goes back to his house. This guy comes in, shoots everyone in the house. Jesus. Yeah. And the media was calling him uh, a Texas man. That's how they were referring to him. He's a no, little guy. Yeah. And he, and he should have been deported. There was a story about this uh, a year or two ago in San Francisco. Somebody who should have been deported had killed um, uh, some college-age uh, girl. Um, and they just, after a manhunt, they found this guy. But, I mean, five people dead in their home for literally no reason. Now, look, it, it, I'm not saying this is what happens when you let Mexicans come to America. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if there is a way to stop this, there's a way to keep track of the, the, the inflow of immigrants coming into the country, that needs to be that needs to be there. We need to do that. Yeah. And that's not unreasonable. Mm -mm. Like, how is that unreasonable? And what it, what it really does, if you think about it, it, it lowers the status of your citizenship as an American. Yeah. Because that still means something. Mm -hmm. Less than it did before, but it still means something. And if you continue to allow people to come in with no repercussions, as freely as they want, then that means your citizenship, your citizenship status doesn't mean anything. And that's yeah. not right because it should mean everything. And it should come with the privileges of being in America. In my head, there should be less of an emphasis on keeping people out and more of an emphasis on allowing them to become citizens 
more easily. Because yes. from what I understand, it's a really, yes. really hard process to become a U.S. citizen. And that's why you have all the shenanigans that occur. Because people do want to get the fuck out of Mexico or wherever else and live in a, in a better country, better opportunities, safer, for sure, I guess. But yeah, it, it's super hard to do all that. So it's like, fuck it, I'll just try to fly under the radar and do this and this and this. Obviously, there's going to have to be a way to like identify criminals. or You know, like you have to prove who you are and get your background cleared as far as what you've done in Mexico or any other country you're coming from. But I, I do think like in the land of the free, home of the brave, it's, and it's the, our, what our country's based on, like immigration, is, it, it should be much easier to do so. Well, I think the path of citizenship still operates under the assumption that there's some sort of assimilation that needs to happen, mm. right? When you become an American, you need to know these things. It, you're, you're not, yeah, you're bringing your culture, you're bringing your, your, your customs and your rights and, and all, all, all of the things that, that make you you into America, but also America is something. Boom, here's what America is. And here's the baseline. This is what you need to know to be an American to assimilate into this culture. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's no longer the case societally. And so right. I think I think our, our leaders and our politicians have, have, have been much more lenient about it, right? Um, to to allow the inflow of immigrants into America without the assimilation. Now you could put on your tinfoil hat and you could say this is uh, a, a Democrat run process because they need the votes. And more often than not, they're going to get the, the the Democratic vote out of Mexicans, although that is changing slightly. You know who's responsible for this almost uh, almost entirely? Hmm. Ronald Reagan. Oh, not. okay. The, the great conservative hope, Ronald Reagan. He was a proponent of amnesty. And amnesty basically said, you illegal immigrants that are here in the country now cannot be deported. I don't know if it granted them citizenship status at the time. This was back in the 80s. But it basically was like, you're not illegal anymore. There, you, there, there's no repercussion for you being in these United States. You can't be deported. And just like that, California was no longer a red state and it's gone completely the other direction since then. And the idea that you could just amnesty people into America, you could just sign a paper and then they're okay to be here. Yeah. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say, I don't want you because it's a great place to be. And if you want to be here, fucking welcome. Right. I, I, I think that's the overarching theme. Right. Give us your, whatever the fuck the, the statue or your week, whatever that is. Yeah. Your, your, your huddled masses, whatever, you know, okay, fine. I get it. Um, but, but there, there has to be a process. Like you can't just let 11,000 people across border every day unchecked. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that's okay. That's not right. okay. Yeah. So anyways, May 11th, it's going to get worse. <laughs> There's cities. So they're, they're, uh, they've been doing this, but they, they've started to ship uh, these immigrants to different cities outside of like Texas, mm-hmm. outside of El Paso, where they can't control any of them. New York, Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, for as long as she's still mayor in Chicago, has been pleading with Texas to not send any more immigrants. And they have basically told her to get bent <laughs> and you know what? Good for them because that is the, these are the policies that those people have have opined for. They, they are the ones that are like so against saying no to any immigrants, anybody who's claiming asylum. Okay, fine. 
Well, now you can help with the problem because it is a problem. It's a problem. Right, you, right. You, you, you need, these people need somewhere to go. Instead of just getting to opine or stand on your soapbox and say all exactly. these things, like, okay, now live with the realities of what that yes. causes instead of just saying a bunch of shit that <laughs> sounds good and makes you feel you good can, and gets you You can you find votes. some room in Chicago's budget to make this happen for these folks. Yes, yeah. absolutely you can. Right. Oh, yeah. geez. So yeah, May, May 11th, there's going to be a lot more going on. Okay. Stay Damn. tuned. Yeah, I guess we'll see. How do you feel about uh, the government stepping in more and more, and I guess not even federally government yet, at least, but uh, state governments stepping in and starting to ban content that users are allowed to access on the internet? Mm. The glaring one would be TikTok got banned uh, recently in Montana, which was the first state to do it for all their constituents, all the people that live there. Federally, I think it's been banned on all mobile devices, like anything that's issued by the government. But Montana was the first state to say, anyone that lives here, you can no, it's not a thing that you can get at the app store. You're no longer able to access it at all. Yeah, and then I think um, I think Utah banned... I was, that was my next story. Pornhub has now been blocked Pornhub? in Utah. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I mean, I get, I get, I get the sentiment. I don't, I don't particularly like that the government is telling you what you can and cannot do on the internet. Mm -hmm. This is a problem I have with like any strong-handed governmental action is because what you're trying to do is you're trying to legislate culture. Yep. And that's kind of impossible. That's kind of impossible. So I think it's the wrong way to go about it. I'm not saying I have the answers, but I'm saying is if you're telling somebody they can't go and jerk it at Pornhub, they're going to go find somewhere else to do it. Congratulations. If somebody wants to go find porn, they will find porn. That's not, yeah. it's like, you're not, you're not doing anything. The TikTok one, I understand because TikTok is its own entity. There's not like multiple TikToks, but porn is everywhere. You can find porn. I get the sentiment. I think it's the wrong avenue. I think it's the wrong way, the wrong approach, the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. And I should clarify. So Pornhub made the decision to just stop allowing access in Utah be, due to legislation that was passed by Utah saying that you have to be 18 years old and like verify ID uh, before you're allowed to access the website. Pornhub's like, we don't have that infrastructure set up. We mm. don't really want copies of all your ID cards. every, And you'd have to like literally take a picture of your ID every time you wanted to go onto the site to prove you are ah, who you say you are. Interesting. interesting. Pornhub's like, we don't want any case in that right now. So we're just going to like defer until we can figure out a, like a, a real solution that is, is, is made by more by Utah or whatever. Yeah. But, okay. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. it extra hard for somebody to access the porn. Fine. That's what you want to do, but it's still available to you. You can't not access it. I think that it should be federal law that any website that's going to show pornographic material needs to have verifiable proof of who's on their website. Yeah. Well, that I, to see, me I don't, seems like a, that I seems like the most common sense, reasonable thing. If you're, if, if your goal is to protect children right. from, you know, like, like not even from viewing it, but being a part of it and then being exploited on the website. Right. And I think this has been something that that's been brought up multiple times and these websites won't do it because they know that they can't. And they know they, they, they absolutely know that they've had people that are under the age of 18 on their websites you know, unbeknownst to them. Cause it's like, it's like YouTube, you put up your own content. It's not like Pornhub is, it's not like Pornhub is the host, but in that being the host, they're also responsible for the content that's being put on their website. Which is why they, they, so Pornhub, because they kind of came under fire recently um, for 
child porn, basically, like for facilitating the spread of that. Uh, so since last year or two years ago in 2021, anyone who uploads content has to prove their age and identity to prove that they're not a minor. They've at least found a way to like clean that up. Uh, MindGeek is like the company that owns Pornhub. They found a way to clean up the child porn issue. But as far as, yeah, who's accessing the content, I, I just think it's, there's got to be a better way to like on children's devices, like maybe when you, on your phone plan, like let them know like this phone on this plan is a kid who's under the age of 18 until this age. Then you can block IP addresses that, like you can block these sites that way, as opposed to making every person who is over 18 and should be able to view whatever the fuck they want within relative reason online, send a picture of their ID and every time they're going to go get their rocks off. I, I think that's a little bit more invasive. You know, I think there's other ways to do that. Like I said, like blocking these sites from kids' phones. Like you can put all kinds of parental controls on a kid's cell phone. Like that's, that's already in place. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think what, what, what's trying to happen is that they're saying, you know, this pornography in general should not be, consumed by anyone under the age of 18. Sure. Same with cigarettes, right? Alcohol at 21. Mm -hmm. So if you go to buy cigarettes every time you have to show your ID, what's the difference? Yeah. If, you have to, if you're going to go buy alcohol every time you have to show your ID, what's the difference? True. Yeah, true. And it's like they have, they already have your IP address. They know what you're looking at if they really wanted to see what you're looking at. Right. You know, regardless on browser you're using or anything like that. But I, yeah, I, I guess that, that is a good way to look at it. That is true. I didn't really think of it from that angle. But at the same time, I'll also say that's required for alcohol and cigarettes and kids still get access to those relatively easily in today's world. You yeah, know? I was going to say, it's not, it, it's not going to do much. But yeah. if that becomes the commonplace and other states begin to adopt that, it, then, then yeah, then it's like, okay, now, now, now you're really, truly putting in roadblocks for the consumption of adult material for underage. And I agree with the premise. I think that's a good route to take. Sure. Um, but I, I, when I first heard you say that, I, I was thinking of, they, of, of, you know, Utah, or, you know, basically saying like, nope, can't access that, that website here. Not in, not in Utah. Um, yeah. I think Pornhub's seek mind geek or whatever it's called. I think they're just trying to cover their bases, get ahead of it at least until like they can see some kind of like policy that makes sense nationwide. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the internet's becoming a much, a much smaller place. It's being policed now though, which is just yeah. like a little concerning. Cause then you start to move towards what China does. You know, they, they completely police all the content that any of their people see. Well, that's what I was thinking of when you were saying like, what, like, what if you just gave them a phone that said like, oh, this person's 18. It's like, all right, that's, that to me is a slippery slope. Yeah. And you could do that for anybody for any reason. Really, mm -hmm. if you pass, you know, passing up laws. Yeah, that's interesting stuff. I, I yeah, it's weird. Kids will find porn though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Your kids will find porn. They're fucking the horny little animals. They're gonna find it. But it's scary to think about, man, because in like today's world, it's not like it was when we were that age, like growing up. You know, like porn, even in like 10, 15 years, has come a long, long way. You know, like and and our parents before us, they were getting Playboys and penthouses, mm -hmm. and you know, having to go to like an adult bookstore, video store to buy whatever they wanted. For our generation, you start like as the internet started to blow up, you started to get into some of that, but like it was still more, I mean, I guess like at least in my experience, like more hard materials, whether it be the JC Penny lingerie section or whatever the fuck and enter what it is. But I still feel like it was, it was harder 
or it wasn't as graphic at that age. Like, like I'm, right. you know, but like now it's like you as, as a kid who has a phone at 12 could go and find any fucking thing you wanted to see. And we've talked about that before, how that just would totally fuck up a psyche and make you lose connection to, to women or partners in general. And, and just the idea of sex in your head, like it's so dangerous. So it's encouraged. I guess it is encouraging to see like some steps being taken, but to me as like an adult, it's just like, well, like now you're kind of fucking with our liberties, if you call it that, or whatever it is, our freedoms to, to consume what we want in the guise of helping kids, which is good. But like now bring a bunch of loopholes in, but Jeffrey Epstein had, uh, meetings on his calendar with the head of the CIA. Oh, what? I didn't hear that. You didn't hear that? Uh-uh. Um, and this is after he was convicted uh, for uh, as a sex offender. Mm. Um, Wall Street Journal has a couple of, uh, couple of uh, I guess, exposés out. They got access to his calendar. And it seems like this guy just knew everybody. Like literally knew everybody. The former Treasury Secretary and former Harvard University President Lawrence Summers turned to uh, Jeff Epstein for some money, a million dollars, to be exact. Mm. Um, and he just he he just met with like every single powerful person you can think of. Woody Allen, he was meeting with. He had dozens of dinners with Woody Allen, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak. Interesting the billionaire co-founder of private equity giant Apollo Global Management, Leon Black, another one that he had meetings with. This isn't like his flight list or anything. This is just people on his calendar that he had meetings with. Just a bunch of billionaires, pretty much. Makes but sense. I, I think it throws gasoline on that fire that, that people were saying that this guy was a state agent, that he was doing these things, compromising these folks to get information on them for the United States government. Yeah, I totally believe it. Doesn't that track? If you got Chase Bank, probably the biggest financial institution in the whole country, oh, yeah. I would guess, like helping you facilitate all these things, I, I would think that you're and definitely to the can, top. Yeah, exactly. To the top of JP uh, Morgan. Yeah, man. I mean, so it makes it makes a ton of sense that this guy couldn't live while people were digging into him, right? Into what he did. A monster, yes, but doesn't seem like he's a monster of his own accord. There's still there's still questions on how he was able to get the amount of money that he had. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it just sounds like he sounds like he was a hired hired person. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. Yeah. But put these pieces together, sounds like he was sponsored. Yeah. And it's very possible, man. We just had uh Matthew Lawrence, you know who that is from Boy Meets World? Uh-huh. He was he was his uh, Corey's friend. What was his name? Sean, I think. Yeah, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just came out this week saying that um, he was asked to a hotel room several years ago, and uh, basically propositioned by an Oscar-winning uh, director to take off your clothes. He's going to take pictures of you doing X, Y, Z, and he would be the next Marvel character. And he left the hotel room, didn't do it, got dropped by his agency that day. And mm. no, no one would, would listen to him. Or, and he hasn't really done too much in the industry since then. He didn't name the director? He did not name the director, no. Oh, so, But I mean, Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning directors, there can't be that many that have done Marvel films. You know, like those films don't get nominated for Oscars, so it's got to be something bigger from 
before, you know, so people yeah. are, are drawing conclusions and doing all this stuff. But Marvel, I mean, that could, that's a big problem for Marvel on top of all this shit happening with Jonathan Majors. He's, he's getting dropped by his publishing and uh, all of his like agencies basically right now uh, for domestic abuse with several victims. Um, so a little bit of fire maybe could be the start of the fall of Marvel and the rise of DC. Who knows? Hate to see it this way. I was hoping it was just going to be a good films, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it couldn't have been the dozen dozen shitty films that they've put out. Yeah, right. <laughs> that nobody watches. That's their downfall. It's their connection to a oh, and sexual in, harasser. And in closing, Marvin Gaye's family must have been tuned in to the podcast stream because we were shut down about halfway through on Facebook. Uh, uh, it's probably because we were playing the music. Yeah, yeah for, for the content. So oh, that well. sucks a little bit. But, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, I wonder if YouTube is still up. Yeah, I'm curious because we we never get shut down for people talking, you know, like any content we play of the news and, you know, speeches and all this other stuff. But right. music, I guess, is easy to identify within their algorithms. No, we, we made it all the way through. Did we? Yeah. Go YouTube. Fuck Facebook. But actually not fuck Facebook because that's a really fast growing platform for us, for you, the listeners. If you get a sec be awesome for you guys to go and give us a follow trying to grow that platform uh you can find us there on instagram and tiktok at friendship news hour you can find us on twitter another platform we're trying to grow right now at friendship nh and always you can send us an email to bummerdude.media at gmail.com with any thoughts questions comments concerns anything else for him franklin not that you think you covered it my friend nice good uh, well, you guys have a fantastic week and um, a great Cinco de Mayo. Celebrate that heritage. Holler. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.